0: Take your Bibles this morning, please, and turn to John's Gospel, John chapter 4 this morning, John chapter 4. I love the church. I love the church because it's the assembly of called out ones. I love the church because it's the body and bride of Christ. I love the church because it's a family, and we are the sheep of his pasture, the, the flock of God. But i also love the church because of what we do together and one of the things that the church does together is worship the wonder of our god to assemble and share together in the exaltation of the sovereign god of the universe the creator god of of all things you know there's something special about worship within the body of christ Now, I understand that we are to worship God no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. And all of our lives are to be a presentation to the wonder of our God. But there is something special about the church, the assembly, getting together and sharing with one another. And I cannot wait until that takes place here at Calvary Baptist Church. But you know what I'm really looking forward to? I'm really looking forward to eternity. Can you imagine what that worship's going to be like? Can you imagine gathering around the throne and exalting the, the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world and crying out, worthy is the Lamb that was slain? John got a glimpse of what that worship would be like. And in John chapter 4, he identifies the wonder of that worship. I've asked one of our life groups to read that passage of Scripture for us. Now, it's about two and a half minutes long, so you pay close attention, please, and think about the wonder of of what worship's going to be like when when we all spend eternity together. Let's share. After this, I looked, and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which i heard speaking to me like a trumpet said come up here and i will show you what must take place after this at once i was in the spirit and behold a throne stood in heaven with the one seated on the throne and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and cornelian and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the thrones were 24 elders, clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Isn't that going to be a great day? When we all gather around the throne and we declare the wonder and worthiness of our God. Gives me goosebumps just to think about that time in in heaven as we all share together. But until then, we have some insights about what worship ought to be here on earth. Now here in John's Gospel chapter 4, we have the account of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And there are a lot of ways to digest this passage of Scripture, and and you know that the Samaritans were not to associate with the Jews, and that which Jesus was doing was culturally incorrect, and yet the focus of his conversation with this Samaritan woman was really all about worship, because there was not a connection with the way the Samaritans worshipped and and the Jews worshipped, and Jesus changed worship altogether anyway. I want you to follow along in in the text as we read this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to go back and and we're going to see what what worship was, was all about. We're going to start in verse 20. There the woman says, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I love the church. Because we gather together and we worship together. But I want you to know something this morning. Look up here at this quote, will you please? True worship is not just singing out loud for our Lord. Gathering together and having a great time of celebration. True worship is living out loud for our Lord. And Jesus was identifying the wonder of God as we take our lives from this place and we go out into our culture and live the wonder of who our God is is. You see, the truth is, worship, true worship, must be God-focused. Now think about that with me, will you please? True worship must be God-focused. In the text, Jesus is having a conversation with a woman. And the woman says, True worship for us, the Samaritans, is to go to the mountain, Gizarim, and there we worship God. Jesus said true worship for the Jews is to go to Jerusalem, and there we worship God. But worship is not about a place. For the Samaritans, worship was closely linked to that sacred place, Mount Gizarim. For the Jews, worship was closely linked to the pilgrimage festivals whether it was Passover or whether it was Pentecost or tabernacles where they gathered together in Jerusalem to to worship God but that's not worship you see true worship must be associated with God and God alone it's not about a place as wonderful as that place is It's not even about sharing together with others who have the same focus, as wonderful as that is. True worship is not about a place. It's about our God. And that must be the focus. Jonathan Edwards preached during a time of revival here in America. And he had this to say. God had respect to himself as his last and highest end in this work because he is worthy in himself to be so, being infinitely the greatest and best of all beings. All things else with regard to worthiness, importance, and excellence are perfectly as nothing in compared to him. All that is ever spoken of in the scripture as an ultimate end of God's works is included in that one phrase, the glory of God. Now, Jesus identified this even as he taught us to pray. You remember that first phrase, don't you? Our Father, which art in heaven, and here it is, hallowed be thy name, worship is of you, glory to you, because it's all about who you are and we must recognize that worship begins and ends with our sovereign God. If you were with us last week, one of the songs we sang was a Michael W. Smith song, The Heart of Worship. When the music fades, all is stripped away and I simply come, longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. You know, many times we talk about worship. And we're talking about the time of singing. We talk about a worship team that leads us. We even talk about the worship center where we gather together and focus on the wonder of our God. Sometimes we talk about a style. Sometimes we talk about a service. And I'm afraid in our culture... Worship has become a thing, a feeling, an activity, an emotion. And we focus more on the performance than we do on the person. We look at the technology instead of the truth of the Word of God. We think about our energy and emotion rather than engaging with God and understanding who He is in our lives. You see, worship must be God-focused. It begins and ends with God. I'm in the process of reading an interesting book. It's a book by John Piper, and the title of the book is Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. And he makes this interesting query, a question. Look at it with me, will you please? Do you feel most loved by God because he makes much of you or because he frees you to enjoy making much of him forever? Do you feel most loved by God because he makes much of you? Oh, I, I love to have people make most, much of me. My love gift is words of affirmation. Pat me on the head, tell me I'm doing a great job and I'll do anything for but I'm afraid that's happened in our worship. You see, in our worship, God frees us as new creatures in Christ Jesus to make much of him. It's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. The second stanza of that Michael W. Smith song goes like this, King of Endless Worth. No one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all I have is yours. Every single breath, I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my you see, the truth is, it's all about who God is. Now many must understand that there is a real danger in not recognizing that truth. In Romans chapter one, we read these verses, "God gave them up." Why? Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served. The creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Now, Paul is talking about heathens at that point. But I wonder, does our worship ever become identified because we worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed by God forever? I want to come back to the heart of worship because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Jesus, in talking with the Samaritan woman, said, you worship, you worship what you do not know. Verse 22, we worship what we know for salvation is of the Jews. See, the Samaritans were focused on the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. And that lacked all of the theological richness of Scripture. He's not saying that all the Jews will be saved, but that through the Jews came the knowledge of salvation through the Scriptures. And he draws attention to the essence of worship more than the person who was worshiping. He also clearly identifies the truth that the ministry of Jesus would radically transform worship because it's all about God. Not only is true worship Focused on God, true worship is desired by God. Look with me at verse 23. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Worship always runs through God. Underline that in your minds, will you please? Worship always runs through God, and Jesus declared the Father seeks true worshipers to worship Him. Jesus said in His great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 that the Son would glorify the Father. And then He says, I have glorified you on earth. I have worshiped you. I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus worshiped God the Father. I love the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah we have the the vision of Isaiah where he saw the the Lord high and lifted up and his glory filled the, the temple. And If you want to get excited about worship, read that text. Where those sitting around the throne, as identified in Revelation chapter 4, said, holy, holy, holy is the God of hosts. The the whole world is full of his glory. And in chapter 48, Isaiah says this. For mine own sake, even my own sake, will I do it, says the Lord Almighty. For how should my name be polluted? I will not give my glory to another the Father seeks all to worship Him. And how does He do it? It was identified in our text. Worship Him how? In spirit and in truth. Worship. Everything in our lives is to bring glory to our God and the design of that worship is in spirit and in truth that's the mode of our worship and it transcends all racial all gender all geographical all stylistic considerations worship is not about race Worship is not about instrumentation. Worship is not about age. Worship is not about posture. Worship is all about spirit and in truth. Now, in the text, God is defined as spirit. I want you to note that it does not say God is a spirit. It says God is spirit, just like God is light. God is love. God is spirit, truth. Jesus is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in John chapter 1, we read that grace and truth came through Jesus. So if we're going to worship, we must worship the Father because of who he is through the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. In spirit, that is God. In truth, that is Jesus. And that is how God designed it. You see, you can't worship one and not the other. There are some folks who believe in God but have never trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior and their worship is empty because it's not identified with a personal relationship. Our worship must be God-centered and Christ-revealed. Our worship must be God-focused and Christ-focused. And if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as personal Savior, let me encourage you to do that. If you don't know what that means, will you please contact us here at Calvary Baptist Church so that we can share with you and tell you how you can be born again into the family of God? Because until you do that, your worship will be empty and meaningless. But not only is it in God, not only is it through Christ, But there's another aspect to spirit and in truth. You see, our innermost beings must be lived out in in truth. True worship cannot just be external or artificial. True worship is not just a feeling. Perhaps, and I trust, you will leave this service and you say, boy, that was a great service of worship. I feel like I worshiped well the reality is feelings come and go they they change but worship is to be consistent in our lives and the reason it is consistent is because it starts in the innermost part of our being we we've talked a lot recently about being the church not just doing church And we ought to talk more about being in worship, not just doing worship. Because that's the innermost part of how God designed us to relate to Him as our Heavenly Father. You see, true worship comes from who we are. I wonder, in our lives, do we just do worship or are we really worshipful? That's an interesting question. Now, how do we accomplish it? Very quickly this morning, I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Will you please? Hebrews chapter 12. Obviously, Hebrews chapter 12 follows Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we have that great hallmark of faith. And the writer identifies all of these wonderful believers who who had a lived-out relationship with their God. It's not just about who they were, but who they were then was demonstrated in what they did. And they lived out their faith even in the midst of persecution because the writer says, I'm not even going to talk about those who were martyred for their faith. I'm not even going to talk about and identify individually those who who gave up their lives because of their relationship with God. But these are, are the real heroes of faith. And then in the first two verses of Hebrews chapter 11, we read these words. Therefore, because of the heroes of the faith, because of their example, because of their relationship with God, because of their living out a worship for God, The writer tells us how to worship. And he begins with the first phrase of chapter 2, of verse 2, looking to Jesus. We must keep our focus on Jesus Christ. Now, I know that there are, are a lot of distractions in our lives. We all have them, right? I don't know about you, but COVID-19 has made me prickly. I don't like wearing masks. I don't like not meeting with people. I don't like running into folks in the store when I see this part of them, and I can't identify who they are. Has that happened to you? I, I, I don't like ha- having to think about wiping down surfaces and putting Perel on my hands. And and, and wearing gloves when I touch things that I don't know who else has touched it. I I don't like that. And And I get distracted very easily in my life. But the focus of my life, even amidst those distractions, must be Jesus Christ. And the scripture tells us who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame. Jesus had distractions. Boy, did he have distractions. All you have to do is read the gospel and find all of the people that were clamoring for his attention, all the religious folks that wanted to deny his ministry, all of those who who felt he was unfair and wondered about who he was, and, and even his family didn't understand who he was. But in our worship, you and I need to focus on Jesus Christ as the song says, it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. It's not about me. And if you lose that focus, you'll lose your worship. So how do you keep that focus? Jump up to verse 1, will you please? It says, let us lay aside every weight And sin, which clings so closely, anything that conflicts with our relationship with God, anything that misses the mark of who God is, anything that distracts us and does not allow us to clearly see Jesus needs to be laid aside. You know, Facebook can do that. Social media can do that. Public media can do that. You want to lose your sense of direction, watch the news some night. And frankly, folks, you and I need to be willing to to lay aside those things that cling so closely to us and weigh us down and do not allow us to focus our complete attention on Jesus. Talking with somebody recently who said, I've just quit Facebook. I decided that Facebook was not my friend because it didn't help me focus on Jesus. Yeah. In our worship, there are some things we got to get rid of. And we need to run with endurance. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. This is a marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) This is a 24 7, 365 times however many you are. This is progressive sanctification in our lives. This is the growth process that God wants to accomplish for his honor and his glory. You see, true worship is not just about singing out loud. It's about living out loud the wonder of our God. 24-7, Twenty-four-seven, three-sixty.